Welcome to Football North, the very first episode of our brand new podcast on the Canadian Football League, a new CFL podcast with an amazing lineup of voices that covers the Canadian game on a daily basis. As a matter of fact, throughout the season, we're going to hear from some of these great voices like Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CJOB, Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630 Ched. We're also going to be joined by the likes of Kelly Moore from CJOB. He does a lot of work on the Bombers and the Winnipeg Jets. Dave Campbell is the color commentator with Morley at 630 Ched. We're going to hear from Dave throughout the season as well. Also, we're going to tap into some of the voices here in Calgary, like the longest serving play-by-play team in the Canadian Football League. Mark Stephen, the voice of the Calgary Stampeders. Greg Peterson, who is our long-time color commentator. Dave McIver is our producer and occasional host on the CFL North, the Football North podcast, so we'll be hearing from Dave McIver as well. Uh, We're going to kick off the show today. We're going to tell some stories. We're going to set up a brand new season in the Canadian Football League. But what I want to do right out of the shoot is, is, is I want to basically meet the team. And for those listeners in Calgary, you probably know who I am. I'm Jock Wilson. I do host the Calgary Stampeder football uh, broadcast. I've been been covering the broadcast team, or at least been part of the broadcast team, since 2004. That's when I joined Mark on the sidelines during the broadcast. I I quickly moved into hosting the football broadcast. But let me tell you a little bit about me for those people that don't know who I am, you know, for the rest of the listeners across the country on Football North. I, I grew up in a small town in British Columbia, northeastern British Columbia, a small town by the name of Pooskoo. British Columbia. Uh, for those that don't know where Pooskoopy, British Columbia is, let me tell you. It's a very small town. It's very close to Dawson Creek, very close to the Alberta border. And of course, Dawson Creek is the start of the Alaska Highway. I came to Calgary in 1981. I took the broadcasting course at Mount Royal College. I always wanted to get into sports. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to cover the Calgary Stampeders, to cover the Calgary Flames since 1983. I, I did host the Calgary Flames broadcast for a number of years on Calgary Flames Radio. But, but let me tell you about my background in the Canadian Football League and, and covering the Calgary Stampeders. As I said, I started covering this team in 1983. That was when I, I finished the broadcasting course. And believe me, I, I have seen it all. All in the Canadian Football League, especially here in Calgary. I think we all remember the S. Well, maybe not all of us, but some of us remember the SOS campaign in 1986. Richie Hall, uh, then a player for the Calgary Stampeders, he was in tears because we all thought the Stamps were dead. And they were very close to being dead during that SOS uh, campaign. You know, I, I've gone through coaches here in Calgary like Jack Gatto, Jocko. He was he was unbelievable what a storyteller jo- Jocko was. You know, you saw the Coach Q disaster. You know, Larry Kaharik, I can tell you a story later on in the podcast when, you know, Coach Q tried to beat the crap out of me. But that's that's for another day, another podcast. The Wally Buono era that was so successful here in Calgary. You know, we saw Jim Barker, Matt Dunnigan, Ron Rook, you know, transitioning off to Tom Higgins, John Huffnagel, and where we are today with Dave Dickinson coaching the Calgary Stampeders. And of course, are there stories to tell about the Calgary Stampeders? You bet there are, because, you know, you've gone through community ownership into private ownership here in Calgary. We saw the Larry Rickman. You know, he saved the team, really. 
But uh, financially, well, there are some stories to tell about Larry Rickman. Some good, some bad. He did bring in Doug Flutie. That was very, very good. Sig Gucci. Sig Gucci was an unbelievable owner for the Calgary Stampeders. It's just too bad he didn't have money. You know, if he would have had more money, uh, he would have been an outstanding owner for the Calgary Stampeders. He, of course, passed off to Michael Federick, the box man from California. And that was not a prime moment in Calgary Stampeder history because you had the F Troop, Federick and Fateri. Yeah, those are stories for another day as well. You know, the, the Ted Hellard, Doug Mitchell, John Frizzani group that took over this team and, and once again saved the franchise to where we are today with Calgary Sport and Entertainment. So these are just some of the stories that we're going to get into throughout the season here on Football North. Again, I'm Jock Wilson. I'm going to be, you know, the, the, the host of the broadcast. I'm sort of going to keep things going, but I, I want to bring in a couple of other, you know, big-time voices throughout the season. I mentioned Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton. Elks. Derek, I, I'm going to start with you. You heard my story. Tell me your story because you have an interesting story to tell as well. Well, mine does not involve poop scoopy BC. Which <laughs> I, is that, did I say that wrong? Did I say uh, that wrong? That's what my daughter calls it, just so you know. That's right. Your daughter and I have the same mentality, though. I assume she's much, much younger. Uh, my story, like I grew up in uh, Okotoks, Alberta, for any folks in the Calgary uh, area, and my dad was a huge Edmonton fan. Uh, the, the first memory I have of the CFL is him yelling, run at Warren Moon on the television, because uh, uh, he loved the, the Edmonton football team for, I, I'm not sure how it came to be, but that's how it, what I grew up. I, I had to buy tickets when uh, when Rocket Ishmael was going to play a game against the Calgary Stampeders. I absolutely had to have tickets for that game. And I think that's the one that Rocket got kicked out of for jumping on a player's head. And I thought, oh, okay, well, it was money not particularly well spent, but I got to see Rocket Ishmael in Argo Double Blue. Uh, football kind of left my life for a little bit, and then I really got back to it. Uh, obviously, when I came back to Winnipeg, and then eventually when I joined TSN, it went just my love of the game just went off the charts. and. All of a sudden, here's me watching every single play from every single season and, and just create, trying to create content out of that. The details segment from uh, TSN was a big one. Led to the job in Saskatchewan, which uh, led to the job in Winnipeg, and it's uh, season number one. Looking forward to regular season game number one as the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, taking over for the absolute legend, uh, Hi, Bob Irving. This is Bob Irving getting set to call the final game of this 2014. I tell you what, Blue something Bombers. I didn't know about Derek Taylor, I didn't know the Okotoks connection. So there you go. You learn something new every day. Because I, I had heard rumors that, you know, you were a Saskatchewan guy. That's why you went to the uh, Regina. And, the, and then I heard rumors you were a Manitoba guy. So there you go. You learn something new on this podcast. <laughs> I'm a child of everywhere, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of every CFL team, but especially the one that I'm calling games for. All right, that's uh, that's another voice that you're going to hear on this podcast throughout the season, Football North. Uh, let's bring in Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks on 630. Ched, uh, you got a couple of uh, tough stories to beat there, Morley Scott. Uh, and, and I know, I know, you know, you, you, you were involved with the Oilers, and I know you went to Vancouver and did some play-by-play in Vancouver in the, in the Western Hockey League. Uh, now you're back in Edmonton, uh, you know, with the Edmonton Elks, uh, to share, share your story with us. 
Yeah, my well, my football story uh, began in Toronto, actually. I was born in Ontario, Leamington, Ontario, the home of Heinz Ketchup. Uh, my mom always said I was born in a ketchup bottle. Uh, I, so I was born there, grew up in and around the Toronto area, and my first taste of CFL football was the Toronto Argonauts, and it, it was Condridge Holloway who was my favorite player at that time, uh, Jim Corrigal and all those players. So uh, that's where I first saw CFL football. Uh, after that, uh, my family, who moved around a lot, moved to Winnipeg, and uh, in Winnipeg, I got my first ever job and it was selling popcorn at the Winnipeg Stadium and the Winnipeg Arena for Blue Bomber games and Winnipeg Jet games. This is WHA Winnipeg Jet games. Uh, so that was my first taste of uh, CFL football in Winnipeg was uh, was selling popcorn. And the best part about that was you got to watch the last half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Just find a seat and sit down and watch it for free. So that was pretty cool, I thought. Uh, then from uh, Winnipeg, we ended up going to Regina for a while. I worked there and uh, went to uh, Rough Rider Games while in Regina at Old old Taylor Field. And uh, then we uh, eventually worked a little further west, and I got to Edmonton where I began to watch uh, the uh, uh, the Double E play football, of course, through those great years in the uh, in the late 70s and 80s when they were winning uh, uh, great cups year after year after year after year after year. Was that five? I think that was five. <laughs> uh, and uh, I got to, to watch that. And then my broadcasting career began and moved around a little bit again, but then eventually landed uh, the gig with uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, Radio, working at uh, uh, first uh, CFCW and then 630 Chad and uh, doing games. Uh, for 16 years with Rod Phillips, uh, and uh, then I ended up, uh, as we all do in this business, got uh, the we're going a different direction speech, and uh, ended up for a year uh, with the Vancouver Giants, calling play-by-play for them, working with the with the great Don Hay. Learned a lot that year, that's for sure about hockey. Uh, and uh, at that time, uh, Brian Hall announced his retirement from uh, the football broadcast in Edmonton, and I quickly put my name in the hat and. They mysteriously selected my name from that hat, and uh, I've been doing uh, Edmonton games now. This will be my 13th year, my 12th season, and uh, I've seen a lot with this franchise. Uh, I was just uh, counted up while I was listening to you guys talk. Uh, I'm on my fourth president, my sixth coach, and my fifth general manager in the time that I've been around the team. So stability has not been a friend to the uh, Edmonton Elks organization, although that is changing now. That is certainly changing now, I believe. So that's kind of my story. Uh, it's I've always been a hockey guy. I've always been a football guy. Those have been the two sports uh, I've watched since the Expos left Montreal uh, and the 1994 season. I've forgotten about baseball. So uh, uh, that's that's kind of my story, all football and all hockey right now. Well, both of you guys have uh, way more frequent flyer points th- than I do because you've been you've been around this uh, country for sure. But I-, I think the one thing we can we can all agree on is we all have a passion for the Canadian Football League. And 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 Derek, you started off because you know that passion is important in this country, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is, and you really see it in in this part of the country, right? Like I, I was in Toronto in a couple of spells, both for school and then and then for work and. Try to find a piece of Toronto Argos merchandise uh, in the city of Toronto, and you it is a real struggle. But you come to Saskatchewan, you come to Manitoba, you come to Alberta, in either cities, and oh, you just you just feel it. Even I called the game there at the end of the season, and Morley remembers as well. Freezing cold, and the Elks weren't particularly good, but you <laughs> still the crowd wasn't real great, but you still you still felt it, right? You still felt it when you're around the stadium, so. We're, we're blessed to be in this part of the country where in good times and in bad times, fans are still in love with the game. And, and that works for me because I'm no matter what's happening with the team I'm calling games for, I'm absolutely fascinated with 
how it works and, and how the personalities inside it work together. Well, you talk about the personalities, and that, that's what I love about the Canadian Football League. We know these guys don't make a lot of money, but they're so approachable. They love to give back to the community. And, and you know, the, the, the NHL has changed so much where they protect their players and they don't let their players get out and, 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 and do the kind of things we see in the Canadian Football League. And I think, for me, that's where the passion comes in because these guys, they really do care about the game, they do care about the product, and they do care, you know, about, uh, you know, the jerseys that they represent. Morley, talk a little bit about your passion. Yeah, I was going to say I, what you're just to touch on what you said. I, I, you know, I did 16 years of NHL hockey, and then when I started doing CFL hockey, uh, CFL football, I, I realized that wow, these guys like to share their stories, they like mm-hmm. to talk more. They're more engaging. Their personalities come out more. And I think the hockey player nowadays is well programmed, right? And and I think he tells you what you expect to hear, and that's about it. Uh, football players, I mean, you can pick any player on any team and get a pretty good story out of them uh if you do some research and ask them the right questions because they're they usually all have a great story a great background and they're usually all willing to tell it which is what i love about the canadian football league so many great stories uh, involved and that's what i love i love the storytelling angle of, of of what we do to find those to find those cool stories uh, to find uh, you know those those backstories about players about why they play the game and why they love the game and and why they are where they are so uh, to me that's 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 kind of my passion uh, the cfl is just different it's it's just different it's just everybody, everybody involved in it is involved in it for a different reason. It's because they love the game, uh, they love the people in the game, and it's it's just got uh, uh, it's it's a it's a big league, but it's a down home feel to it, and that's what I really love. Guys, uh, stick around for a second because uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming season. Can the Bombers win three in a row? It's unheard of in the Canadian Football League. The last dynasty was with the Eskimos. Yes, double E, as uh, Morley said. Uh, that was when they won five in a row, 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82. The Eskimos also won three in a row in the 50s, but the last team to win back-to-back before the Bombers was Montreal. That was 2009, 2010. You know, can the Bombers make it three in a row? We're going to talk about that in just a minute but we want to we want to introduce a few more voices here on the podcast football north this is the canadian football league This is Football North, a brand new podcast on the Canadian Football League. I'm Jock Wilson. We've already heard from Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks. I want to introduce you to a couple of other voices that we are going to hear throughout the season on Football North. I'm talking about Kelly Moore, who does a great job covering the Jets and the Bombers on CJOB, and Dave Campbell, who does color with Morley for the Edmonton Elks. Guys, welcome. Kelly, I'm going to start with you uh give us your backstory uh, tell us a little bit how you got involved in the canadian football league and and, and your passion for the canadian football league well yeah I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere british columbia there was no tv there was no radio and the newspaper was delivered two or three days late by a uh, by a greyhound uh but uh and, and i'm not sure why but the stories about George Reed and Ron Lancaster, and I wasn't even a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, but uh, those are, are the memories that I can uh, go back to in, in the 60s. So I, I think the first Grey Cup game that I ever watched on TV, and, and it seemed like it was so far away. I was probably, I don't know, two and a half, three hours outside of Vancouver, uh, but it was the 1966 Grey Cup game. 
And Ron Lancaster, I think, threw, I don't know, two or three touchdown passes or something. And Saskatchewan wound up beating Ottawa. And, and for a kid that was first following the CFL, like, there's only nine teams. And they're both rough riders? Like, seriously? <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was kind of my, the, 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 the hook that caught the fish, so to speak. And I believe the first ever Grey Cup game that I attended would have been the 71 game, I think, in Vancouver, where Leon, Nexway, McQuay uh, fumbled, and uh, Calgary wound up uh, upsetting Toronto, and Leo Cahill was spitting nails. So uh, it, it was, uh, you know, those were the uh, the early days of the formative years. I had a chance to cover a few BC Lions training camps in uh, Courtney and in Kelowna. The memory of Vic Rapp uh, winding up uh, the media sessions with Let's get out them beans is something that's always stuck in my mind. And then coming to Winnipeg, uh, Jock, it's pretty hard uh, not to uh, get fully ensconced into the league with how much this community and province absolutely adores and loves the Blue Bombers. I'm trying to think 1966. I was only four years old, man. Like, I I think I'm old. Yeah, you're not the oldest one on the panel, unfortunately. <laughs> I uh, get that a lot from Taylor. <laughs> oh, I, I I hear you. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great story and, and a great backstory, uh, Kelly. And uh, you know, thanks so much for sharing it. Let's bring uh, Dave Taylor, uh, Dave Campbell in. I should say, uh, Dave Campbell, the color voice for the Edmonton Elks on six thirty. Ched. Uh, okay, Dave. Oh, 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 hold it. One more thing before I go there. I, I gave Poos Koopy a shout out because that's in North. Eastern British Columbia. That's where I grew up. You said a small town uh, in in BC. Where, where did you actually grow up, Kelly? It wasn't even a town. It was a, a cafe, <laughs> gas station, and campground <laughs> complex on the Hope Princeton Highway. Oh my God! Five miles east of Hope, twenty eight miles west of Princeton. I'm talking <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> did they have a hospital, or were you just born at home? No, I, I was actually born on the Lower Mainland, and then oh. we moved to the middle of nowhere when I was <laughs> okay. uh, six or seven years old. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Similkameen Falls, uh, if anybody ever wants to try to find that on a map. Okay, well, there you go. That's that's the backstory of, uh, of uh, Kelly Moore from CJOB. Dave Campbell is with us as well from 630 Ched. Okay, Dave, you've got, to, you've got some tough stories to follow up here. Uh, let's Let's hear your backstory. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm the boring one because I, I, I'm born, raised in Edmonton. I have not lived anywhere else in my life other than the city of Edmonton, and I love this city very much. I uh, grew up a fan of the green and gold. My first game was the 81 West Final against the BC Lions. Uh, I learned what it was like to sit in the stands, freeze your butt off, and not care about it. So um, big fan of the team. And then I started working at 630 Chad in 1995, a year later. I uh, was able to work uh, on the uh, Elks broadcast with Brian Hall and John Farlinger. Also worked on Oiler Games with uh, Rod Phillips and Morley Scott. And I uh, kind of learned the, the ropes from behind the scenes from the technical aspect. And then in 2004, uh, named to the uh, Elks broadcast team with uh, Halsey and Farley, which I thought was, was awesome. I mean, Halsey wanted to resurrect the uh, old points after show, and he pointed to me as the one to, to host that post-game show. So I was very honored. Uh, to do that, and I did the sidelines as well, uh, Elk sidelines from 04 to 05. And then in 2006, three weeks before the season started, the first preseason game in uh, Regina at the old Taylor Field, I get hauled into Brian's office, and he goes, so we're going to make a change. And I said, <laughs> what, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm going to bring in the booth. I said, oh, so I'm going to be with you and Farley? And he's like, no, it'll just be you and me. And I'm like, or you and I. And I'm like, oh, What? I've never been so frightened and panicked in my life and yet so thrilled. So my uh, first preseason game was three weeks later 
uh, my first ever call. And then ever since, uh, uh, you know, I've been in, in the booth for, you know, well over 300 games. And I always make the running joke that uh, I was named the color analyst of the, of the team, of the Elks, in 2006. But you never knew it until Morley came aboard in 2010 because I was allowed to actually do my job which uh, I, I'm, I'm ribbing Halsey a little bit because we all, we all know he loves to talk. And I've learned a ton from Halsey. I've learned a ton from Morley. Um, it's just fun to, you know, you grow up cheering for the team and you love the team, and I still do, and I still cheer for them, and I'm still a fan. But, you know, you're on the media side, and it's, it's uh, really cool that you kind of, you know, all worlds kind of meld into one. So uh, it's been awesome, uh, you know, and Fortunately, I've seen a lot of Western Division finals and Eastern Division finals and haven't seen very many great Cup games. I remember 2015 in Winnipeg when uh, the Elks beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. And uh, other than that, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of uh, coming home after an East final or a West final with uh, a suitcase of clothes for another week that I didn't need. So, but it's been a fun job. I love it and uh, very passionate about this league and uh, want to see it survive uh, for, uh, you know, just, hundreds of more years. Well, you know, I, I don't know Halsey as well as you do, but I do know the one thing about Halsey. If we bring him on a guest, uh, bring him on as a guest here on Football North, the podcast, uh, all I have to do is ask one question and the podcast will be done. So that, <laughs> that will be fantastic. Maybe, maybe that's what I've got to do one time is bring on. And, and I appreciate your passion. I appreciate the backstory. And, and Kelly, maybe just talk about your passion for this, uh, for this Canadian Football League. Quick story about Halsey. I started radio back in the days when it was edit tabs and reel-to-reel tapes, and we every once in a while would call Halsey for an interview when I was working in Kamloops. (laughs) We only had five minutes, so one question, and I had to edit about uh, uh, four different uh, breaths of air to get down to five minutes. But, you know, it just... Why I love the Canadian Football League, and Winnipeg is actually the first market that I've worked in where there was the team. I've, I've either spent my entire 46-year career in Kamloops or in Winnipeg, uh, and I, I just I love the players. Uh, and, and especially the Canadian players or the, uh, the, the American players who've made Canada their home. Uh, and maybe that's where I, I grew that uh, affiliation uh, initially with guys like George Reed and Ron Lancaster who stayed here and lived here. Uh, and and if they're just so down to earth, uh, having covered a lot of hockey, and I, and I love hockey players as well, but there's just something special about a CFL player, and, and that was the, the initial hook. I love the wide openness of the game. I, uh, I, I much prefer three-down football to four-down football. I'll watch the NFL casually, but, I mean, the Canadian Football League, to me, is where it is at, and it's because of the down-to-earth nature of the people who are at center stage on a week-to-week basis. Guys, a great insight, uh, great stories. I, I look forward, uh, you know, through the he- entire season of, uh, of this podcast to, to checking in with, you know, so many great voices like Kelly Moore, like Dave Campbell, like Morley Scott, uh, like Derek Taylor. Dave and Kelly, uh, we're going to leave it there. We're going to bring you on in, in the next few weeks. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your stories with us. Thanks, Jocko. Yeah, and it's great to be on the same airwaves as Hugh Campbell's illegitimate. No, never mind. I don't want to start that rumor. The 
This is Football North, the, the CFL podcast. I'm Jock Wilson, and we're going to bring back in Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Morley Scott, the voice of the Edmonton Elks, as a brand new season is right around the corner. And I sort of teased it earlier, guys. You know, the the Bombers... They are sort of a modern-day dynasty right now. They've won back-to-back championships. Obviously, the pandemic was, you know, in between, sandwiched in between. You know, the big storyline for me heading into 2022 is, can the Bombers make it three in a row? Because it's really unheard of in the Canadian Football League. The last dynasty in this league, in my opinion, was the Eskimos, double E, as they won five in a row in 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82. The Eskimos also won three in a row back in the 50s. Uh, The last team to win back-to-back before the Bombers was Montreal in 09 and 10. So, Derek Taylor, since you're the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, maybe I'll ask you. The Bombers have the Canadian Mafia back in in tow. They have Zach back. They have no Andrew Harris, but a very good offensive line. Great defense led by the freak Willie Jefferson. Uh, What what do you think? You know, can, can this team be beat or are they unbeatable? Oh, they're the runaway favorite at this moment to win the Grey Cup. When you look around the league, uh, Winnipeg, I mean, they're replacing, what is it, seven guys from their starting 24 last year. But uh, other teams have had turmoil. Hamilton, who's been to back-to-back Grey Cups, doesn't have the same depth at quarterback because they can't. They lose Jalen Acklin as well. They lose Ja'Garrett Davis to uh, to Toronto. Uh, every other team, to me, is a significant step back from the Bombers. The thing watching the Bombers from afar the last few years, though, is they've been really healthy in their critical spots, right, versus, say, Saskatchewan last year, which at one point, if it was 16 or 17 guys they had on the six-game injured list at one time. If that befalls the Bombers, obviously, there's no ch- they don't have a chance, right? If you have to replace 16 guys, you're done. And especially if one of those guys is Zach Kalaris, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key, right? If he is healthy... They're, they're absolutely the, the runaway favorite, in my mind, to win the Grey Cup. It doesn't guarantee them anything, but what we saw in last year's West Final was when you have that much talent, you buy yourselves uh, a lot of mar- margin for error, right? You can have a West Final where you turn the ball over six times and you still win the football game, right? That's, that's where Winnipeg is at. It's not a guarantee of anything, but if you're trying to forecast the league this season... Uh, to me, it's Winnipeg, and then a real gap, and then we start putting other teams in there. Well, we might uh, we might question the real gap here in Calgary. You know, the, the the feeling in Calgary is if Bo Levi Mitchell can return to form like he had in 2017, 2018, you know, and he doesn't make the mistakes and, and throw the interceptions, the Calgary Stampeders were the youngest team in the Canadian Football League last year. They've got a year under their belt. The majority of their core is coming back. Uh, the feeling in Calgary is the Stampeders can give the Winnipeg Blue Bombers a run for their money. Now, uh, do, do I agree that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the team to beat? Yes, of course. They are the defending champions. You know, with no Andrew Harris, that is going to be interesting. And and I think you nailed it, Derek. You know, the fact is you've got to stay healthy in the Canadian Football League. You know, with, with, with Zach Caleros, if he can stay healthy, you know, that's going to obviously give the Winnipeg Blue Bombers an upper hand. But I, I don't think it's a clear-cut runaway Ooh. for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And maybe, Morley Scott, you can you can weigh in on this conversation. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, Jock. I, I think the Bombers are the favorite. I don't know if they're the clear-cut favorite uh, or the runaway favorites, uh, but uh, they are the favorite for sure uh, entering the season. Uh, Derek talked about injuries, and I mean, the more you win, the more your depth gets eroded because players go uh, somewhere else, and we've seen that with the Blue Bombers over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, their offense, to me, is a bit of a question mark. Uh, they've lost Andrew Harris. They've lost two uh, pretty potent receivers in, in Kenny Lawler and, and Darvin Adams. I know Greg Gellingson's there, and they're expecting guys to elevate their game around uh, around the offense as well still. But that's still three pretty important guys that they've taken out of the lineup. But as the old saying goes, right, now, offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. As long as they got 5-4-94, and 94, they're going to be uh, a very good football team because you, you're not going to score many points on them because that defense is so good. So that's my take on it. They also – the kicking game, right? I mean, it cost them last. I'm I'm mm-hmm. surprised that their kicking game didn't cost them more games than it could have last year. I mean, they had to go out in the last month of the season and fix it and getting uh, Sergio Castillo to come in, uh, who ended up kicking five field goals in the Grey Cup game. So uh, that still is a pretty big question mark, I think, for the Blue Bombers going into this season. But they are the favorite, but I think the pack might be a little bit closer than a lot of people think. It is so tough oh. to win three in a row. And, and I know you want to weigh in here, Derek. You know, oh. but... Uh, Okay, okay, got, go ahead. I got beef with both of you now. Okay, oh go, go ahead, go ahead. Are we beefing right at the back? Here's the thing. Uh, you mentioned that if Bo Levi-Mitchell is healthy, Calgary will push him. That's the only thing I'm concerned about with Calgary. Calgary's roster is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The pieces they've added, fantastic. Bo Levi-Mitchell led the league in interceptions last season. He hasn't been himself since 2018. So I don't know why there's – I see the stories about, well, he looks great, blah, blah, blah. I – I don't know if we have enough reason to believe that Bo is the way he is. They're set up great with backup quarterback, it would appear, in Jake Mayer. But that's if it's not Bo, I mean, I think we kind of have to push past the part where we remember Bo of 2018 until he proves it uh, again. And, I mean, Winnipeg's absolutely had some some losses. Their receiving core is, if I had to look at it, seventh or eighth best in the, in the CFL. Offensive line, though, is is right back where it was with Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick. And and for me, like Zach Kolaris is the top player in, in the CFL. His his ability to stay alive under pressure and honestly welcome pressure from the defense is incredible. It's on a par with, with only Bo is the only other guy who can keep pressure from turning into sacks like Zach Kolaris. So uh, it's I just don't I just I see their losses. I see the veterans they brought in to replace some of them, and I go. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to need to see someone prove to me that that they're in a class with Winnipeg, a team that outscored its opponents by 173 points last season in the regular season in just 14 games. It, it does help. And that's without any field goals, right? Yeah, true. Well, and that's that's a real <laughs> that's a real point, right? Like Sergio Castillo was Sergio Castillo was an amazing kicker. Like the Elks got a great kicker in Castillo, and you know Mark Leggio, Ali Mortada have to have to prove it. There's there's reason to believe that you know five of eight one season doesn't mean you're a terrible kicker for the rest of your life, but they they were fortunate that no games really seemed to that I remember off the top of my head came down to oh we our kickers we can't really trust them so fingers crossed for bomber fans that that continues. I, I will say there's no love lost between uh, the Stampeder organization and the Winnipeg organization with the Canadian Mafia, so I, I don't think the Stamps <laughs> are going to be doing you any favors by sending you Kieran Burnham. Well, I can, uh, can I can I say one thing? I was surprised. Mark Leggio is not a tall dude. He's like five seven, five eight. He he is enormous. Like his upper body is that guy works like gets it after it in the gym. I was just 
I was caught off guard the first time I talked to him. This is a big dude for being, you know, small height. That's a muscular dude. And honestly, he can pound 50 yarders. His first ever kick, a 50-yard field goal. Hey, welcome to the pros. But, welcome to the pros. Yeah, that's, that's the thing Bomber fans keep asking me about. What about the kicking game? Why didn't they bring in somebody else? And on and on and on. And the answer is Mike O'Shea believes in the two guys he's got. What will, what will it be in week 10? Well, that'll kind of determine, uh, you know, a little bit of the course of the season for sure. Why is it tough in the Canadian Football League to to, to build a dynasty? And as I say, I, I'll call Winnipeg a modern-day dynasty, but Morley, we haven't seen you know a, a dynasty team in this league really you know, since the late 70s, early 80s. So uh, why do you think that is? I think more than anything, it's the free agency rules. The fact that players leave their teams more often than they did back in the 70s and 80s. I mean, in, in the 70s and 80s, that uh, Edmonton team, pretty much had the same roster every year. I mean, the O-line was the same, I think, for all five wins, right? Uh, they just didn't change teams as often. Now players change teams every year. I mean, there's there's really good players in the Canadian Football League who have played on a different team for the last four seasons. And that, to me, is a big problem and something they're trying to address. Uh, they tried to address in the CBA a little bit. But I, to me, that's the main reason. Players are allowed to to walk away for more money and go somewhere else. And, and they, 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 I don't want to make this sound bad on the players, but they take the money. Over, over staying and, and building building the team and staying with their teammates to try and win another one, I think. And, and you know, no one blames anyone for that, right? Uh, you you want to do what's best for you, but what's best for your family. And if uh, another team is offering you the money, you take it and you go and work there. Oh, you Kenny Lawler, for sure. More, no one's passing up yeah. Kenny Lawler money, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, would not, I would not begrudge a guy that even a little bit. And that's, that's to me, where, where Winnipeg is unique in that I, I said many times over the offseason before I got to Winnipeg, I would take Jackson Jeffcoat. I would offer him the biggest contract for a non-quarterback in the CFL just to get him away from Winnipeg because I think he's a difference maker. Jackson, his agent, know that sentiment must be out there, and yet they chose to re-sign in Winnipeg. Like Winnipeg lost some pieces. Steven Richardson, you guys mentioned Darvin Adams, Andrew Harris, but Willie Jefferson, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, Adam Bighill, these guys – for whatever their reasons are, they could almost certainly get bigger money somewhere else, and they choose to stay in Winnipeg. And to me, that's when you when you get your stup- superstars back. Um, Calgary getting Reggie Bagleton to return on way less money than ultimately he could have gotten. That's where, to me, that's where success comes from because you can find the minimum players, but it's those superstars. Bagleton, who will have fifteen hundred yards, getting him for one hundred and sixty-five grand is perhaps the biggest bargain in the CFL. What I think learned. part of that too is is what's good about the CFL as well. Uh, like mm. uh, for example, Big Hill, he's not he took more money or less money to stay in Winnipeg and help them continue to win, but he's also got a job in Winnipeg and he lives in Winnipeg and he's put himself in the community there. So he's making more money on his other job and football combined than he would if he went just on a football contract to Toronto or Saskatchewan or or wherever to play next. And I think that's the situation that I really like about the CFL is how guys settle in their cities, get jobs in their cities in the off season, play football during the during the football season, and just become a part of the community all year round. And I think with Adam Bighill and there's others in the league who do that as well. I think that's just a tremendous story, especially when you're a good, good player who can call any general manager as a free agent and say, "What do you got for me?" and he'll get a good contract offer. 
Yeah, you know, you know, guys, what I've learned about, uh, you know, building dynasties, it's tough. It's tough to win in this league. I know it's only a nine-team league, but, you know, th- there is a lot of parity in this league at times. And, and obviously, when, when you build a championship team, uh, the key is keeping that championship team together. You're going to lose players through free agency. You're going to lose players through retirement. I, I know it certainly happened here in Calgary, uh, you know, in, in 2018 when, you know, they did have to hit the, the reset button. Okay, we're going we're gonna to close the book on our very first episode of Football North. So, guys, for our, for our listeners, hopefully in the East, because we don't want to just make this a, a Western, a broadcast. Who's the team to beat in the East? Uh, Morley, you go first. I'm really having trouble picking out uh, who's the best team in the East going into the season because so many teams have made so many changes, right? But I think uh, at the end of the day, you got to go Ric Flair style, and if you're going to be the man, you got to beat the man. So it's it's got to be the Hamilton Tiger Cats to me, although uh, I'm waiting to see how it plays out for, for Ottawa and for Toronto, especially those two teams who've made a lot of changes and add some, added some good players. Ottawa especially really intrigues me. They're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Montreal is going to be probably like they were last year if uh, – if their quarterbacking is good, they'll probably be good. But they've lost some key players too. But to me, it's Hamilton. They're the team to beat in the East. Derek? Uh, I think Hamilton finishes second. They don't have the same security at quarterback. Toronto, to me, regresses, though I like their roster. They won a lot of one-score games last year. I think they were 7-1 and one in one-score games. That regresses season over season, so they fall back. Ottawa, to me, is the team that, that's going to mm. be the team to beat in Based on how terrible they were the previous two years, it might be a surprise, but they added so much talent in the offseason. They have a quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli who has real high peaks and real low valleys, but he's better than what they've been working with. Uh, Montreal is is going to get lost in the waste. I think, I think Ottawa actually ends up representing the East in the Grey Cup. I know it's bold, but uh, I'm counting on the money hunters and the Jalen Acklins of the world to carry my prognostication through. That is a bold prediction for sure. Going off the board, Derek Taylor. That's what you're going to get on Football North. Guys, the first episode is in the books. Uh, Thanks so much for your time. I look forward to working with you all season long.